Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. We have got a doozy of a show for you this week. There has been a massive vulnerability found in uh, just about every computer system ever made for the last 20 years. So we've got a lot to cover. We're going to dedicate the show this week to these new vulnerabilities that have been dubbed Meltdown and Spectre. Uh, they have some other names, but we're going to get into the details here in a minute. I'm going to tell you what these things are, explain at least at a high level of how they work, because they're actually extremely technical. I'm going to you know, give you some background on, on where they came from, what we know about them, uh, what systems are affected. And of course, at the end of the show, uh, with the tip of the week, I'll tell you what you can do about it. So first of all, what is it? You've probably seen this on the news in one form or another, but let's let's get into the details and let's be clear about what these problems are and what they really mean. So uh, first of all, these were discovered last year, I think at some point, uh, independently by a few different organizations, one of which was Google's wonderful Project Zero, uh, which has done some really facet, um, fantastic work in terms of finding security flaws and helping people, helping companies get their products fixed. Uh, to fix the bugs that they find. They've been doing some really great work. Um, but the problem was discovered a long time ago. And, and when these things are responsibly discovered and disclosed, the way the process works is they privately approach the, the companies that are affected, who have products who are vulnerable, uh, and they work with those companies to get the fixes, um, get the fixes made and updates pushed before they actually release the details uh, so that people can be safe before the bad guys find out that there was a bug, hopefully. Uh, you know, you always hope that uh, the bad guys haven't found it yet and that the good guys have time to get it fixed before releasing their results um, and making it public. And then, of course, well, at that point, the bad guys are all over it. Um, but the point being is that everybody at that point, hopefully, will have plenty of time to get the fixes out and uh, everyone get their software updated and it will no longer be an issue. So uh, this was supposed to be made public, I think next week, and then it leaked a little bit early, uh, but they were close to releasing this information anyway. Um, but the way this has been touted uh, and most of the news, <laughs> news networks is that basically it affects all computers in the last 20 years. That's partially true. Uh, and we're going to dig into that a little bit, um, and, and explain it. Now there's actually two classes of bugs here. There's two, they, there's actually three bugs of which they broke them into two different areas, uh, because they're slight, they're slightly different. Um, and, and so the, the first class of bug is called meltdown. Uh, and the second one is called specter. So let's, let's explain why they're different. And I, I'll try to, I'll try to try to do this in a way that makes sense. So meltdown and I'm quoting here from, there's actually a, a great website, which I'll, I'll mention at the bottom of the show, because it's got some other good info in it uh, about these attacks. And it gives some explanations. And here's how, it, here's how it describes this. Meltdown breaks the mechanism that keeps applications from accessing arbitrary system memory. Consequently, applications can access system memory. Uh, in other words, uh, what they're saying is that just well, like when you're running Microsoft Word, it's supposed to have certain levels of, of permission and access. Uh, and those permissions should not allow it to access system level or operating system level memory uh, that is much more closely guarded. Uh, and they keep these boundaries up for reasons, for, for exactly these security reasons, right? You don't want these applications being able to reach out and get, you know, passwords or credit card numbers or any other sensitive inf information uh, that might be stored elsewhere that it's not supposed to have access to uh, or just random information floating around in the computer's memory. 
Uh, so that's that's meltdown, and they and they try to in each case they try to explain why they called it what they did. Uh, so they say in this case the bug basically melts security boundaries which are normally enforced by the hardware. Hardware in this case being uh, the the CPU or the central processing unit, which is of course the brain of all of our computerized devices. That's the CPU. Uh, and this particular one, Meltdown, does affect basically every Intel-based processor since 1995. Uh, that's that's a long time. That's over 20 years worth of uh, processors. Now, it's unclear currently whether or not they affect uh, AMD processors or ARM processors. Now, I know, I'm talking a lot of lingo. Uh, Intel makes the, the, the brain of many, many computerized products. Uh, it's primary competitor in that space is a company called AMD, Advanced Micro Devices. Um, and it's good to have competition. These guys have been, you know, you know, keeping each other in check and, you know, helping each other competitively co- come up with great new features for many, many years. So it's good that we've got at least two companies doing this. Um, and the processor designs are just unbelievably complex. Um, and that that's why it's really kind of hard to describe how some of these things work. Um, but anyway, so ARM, A-R-M, uh, I can't remember that's an acronym. I can't remember what it stands for. Um, but is a different type of CPU, a different type of computer brain chip uh, that is usually used mostly in mobile devices. So ARM-based processor design, uh, you'll tend to find those things in your mobile phones, your iPads, uh, and some of those kind of those other kind of devices that are not full-fledged computers, but not really tiny computers like you might find in Internet of Things devices or really small computerized devices. Very, very popular chip. ARM, ARM-based ARM processors are used in all sorts of devices. Okay, so that was that's Meltdown. So again, Meltdown, we know for a fact that it that it is a vulnerability in every, almost every Intel chip made for the, over the last 20 years. So it affects just about every computer out there that's got an Intel processor processor in it. That would be desktops, laptops, servers, which is, uh, which is a huge concern. Um, Intel chips are in all sorts of devices. Now, the other one, Spectre, remember we talked, said there were two, Spectre is the other one, and Spectre, on the, uh, on the other hand, uh, is defined this way. Spectre tricks other applications into accessing arbitrary locations in their memory. Both attacks, that both being Spectre and Meltdown, use side channels to obtain the information from the ad accessed memory location. Uh, and their explanation for the name is, the name is based on the root cause, speculative execution. And as it's not easy to fix, it will haunt us for some time. Har har. Um, now this one, the Spectre affects, uh, from what they can tell, almost every modern processor, including AMD and ARMS, whereas Meltdown was... was uh, found on the Intel processors, and we're really not sure if it affects other types of processors. We definitely know that uh, Spectre affects um, multiple multiple processors. So if you, if you figure AMD, Intel, and ARM, that's almost everything with a computer chip in it that has any kind of power uh, in every modern device. So it's hugely, hugely important and very, very bad um, <laughs> that we found these things. It's a good thing we did. Uh, one thing to note, however, at least is according to Google, is the Spectre exploit, the Spectre vulnerability is a, is a lot harder uh, to exploit. It's a lot harder to use by bad guys. So that's some consolation. And I've got some other mitigations and some other things to tell you here in a minute that will that will help calm us down a little bit on this stuff. But it's make no mistake, this is really, really bad. It's been around for a very long time. 
uh, and it's going to be causing us problems for some time to come. I mean, at this point, we basically have to re-engineer our CPUs, our computer brains, because in an effort, basically, in an effort to make these things super fast uh, and very efficient, they do some really crazy things. I mean, it just it, it'll boggle the mind. Um, it's like the speculative execution thing they're talking about. So basically, I'm a software engineer, so I write computer code. I write applications. And basically, when you're writing a soft piece of software, you're writing a linear set of instructions for that computer to follow. So do this, then do this, then do this, then do this. And then, then there's things like choices like, okay, now at this point, if, if, if this is true, then do something. If that's not true, then do something else. Or here's a series of situations when we come to this point, uh, depending on which of these cases we're in, I want you to do this, 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 or this. Um, so there are, there are ways that the, the execution can fork or branch as we say. Um, and what these processors do, because in many cases, they're actually sitting there doing nothing, or they've got a little extra time on their hands. So what a lot of them will do is they'll do speculative execution. They will actually go ahead and it's, you can almost think of like a parallel universe, right? Uh, when they, when they're looking ahead and they see that there are these forks and branches coming up, these other, these, these possible ways to go, they will actually go ahead and execute all of them. You, they don't know yet what the condition is going to be to choose which of those futures it's going to pick. But it just goes and computes them all so that it's ready to go. And when the time comes and it knows, oh, okay, so this is the one I'm supposed to go, it keeps the result for the for the situation that happened and throws away the results for the situations that didn't happen. I know. It blows the mind, right? That's what, you know, when you've got 30, 40 years of design behind these computers, that's, you know, they start getting to the point where they get really clever about how they make them faster and how they, how they get more performance out of these chips. So... These this design is built into these chips. It's like really part of the hardware. It's part of the overall design. And making a change to that is, first of all, it's going to take some time. Uh, you know, these chip manufacturers are building these things many, many years into the future. Uh, it takes time to get these these designs updated. And this is pipeline of of changes that are coming. And these sort of changes. I mean, so as of today, they've got they've got designs and. Uh, for processors, for CPUs that are not going to be coming out for, you know, another two years that are either have to be scrapped or they're going to have to go ahead with those plans and just plan as soon as those are done to put in fixes for these other ones. And because these things are performance oriented, uh, if you take them away, that means that the chips are all of a sudden going to feel slower because they're, you know, one of these cool, nifty, clever tricks that they used to be faster and be taken away. So they can't do that anymore. Um, or they, at least they got to find some way to do it in a more secure fashion. So I guess apparently the way this bug happened is that the speculative execution thing, again, it's, it's permissions. When you get down into the computer and it's processing stuff, it tries to draw boundaries on things. It tries to say that, okay, this is, this is data that you can access. And over here's data you can't access because you don't have permissions. And this is all security stuff. It's meant so that certain applications can't, you know, peek into the data of other applications. It's sandbox. They're walled. They're, they're separated. They're segregated. Um, but in the speculative execution thing, I guess they didn't figure out the permissions part right so that and some of these predictive branches, when they're going and processing this data, instead of it being guarded and protected from other applications, it wasn't. So while they look ahead and prepare all these possible 
solutions and outputs and data based on what might happen in the future. And then they eventually pick one and throw the rest away. While those things are sitting there in memory, they don't have proper permissions. So if that data, if there's data in those speculative branches that has info that's sensitive data, other applications can now look at it when they shouldn't have been able to. Okay, that I know that's very technical. I know that's kind of hard to wrap your mind around. But that that is what's going on here. Now, let me read the official explanation. I probably should, probably should have started with this. But this is if you uh, this is what how they explain it in a, in a little more short form. They say, quote, these hardware bugs allow programs to steal data, which is currently processed on the computer. While programs are typically not permitted to read data from other programs, a malicious program could exploit Meltdown and Spectre to get hold of secrets stored in the memory of other running programs. This might include your passwords stored in a password manager or browser, your personal photos, emails, instant messages, and even business critical documents. Meltdown and Spectre work on personal computers, mobile devices, and in the cloud. Depending on the cloud provider's infrastructure, it might be possible to steal data from other customers, unquote. Okay, so it did cover a couple of the things in there, which I've not touched on yet. So let's unpack a couple of those things. So it, you notice that it said it could steal data from currently, uh, which is currently processed on the computer. So again, it, these are, it's not just data sitting on the hard drive that it could go look at. It has to be something that's actively being worked on right now. And of course, on a computer, multiple things are happening at once. Um, so if you're running Microsoft Word over here, you're running your Firefox browser over there, uh, you've got an email program running in the background, you know, these are all running, kind of running in parallel. They're all running at the same time. So at any given time, as these guys are doing their stuff in the background, because they could be doing stuff even if you're not actively working on that document, right? Because your email program is in the background checking for mail every so often and, and those kind of things, right? So, you know, these applications potentially can peek into the data of the other applications that are currently running. So it's, that's an important distinction. And the other, the other thing they called out in this, uh, in this little blurb that I didn't talk about yet is the fact that when you're talking about cloud providers, when you're doing cloud processing stuff, basically there are big computers out there that are running these cloud applications. And what that really means is it's like, it's like a whole bunch of people sharing one computer at one time. And they set up, of course, set up the security on those on those programs such that, you know, when I'm running Google Docs on this computer and, you know, somebody else out there is running Google Docs that ends up being running on the same computer, we can't see each other's stuff. The security and the permissions are set up so that that won't happen. So it appears as if I have a private computer all to myself. But in reality, up there in the Internet cloud, these servers are shared and, and multiple, multiple potentially thousands of people are actually all working together on a single computer somewhere. And they're just are, they're just virtually separated. And when that works again, it feels like you've got a private computer all to yourself, but when it doesn't work, like in this case, um, it also means that not only can, you know, one of my applications, if I have a malicious app accidentally installed on my computer might be peeking into the data for uh, some other app I've got running on my computer. When you're talking about cloud servers, those applications are from multiple people. So if somebody can infect that server, now that server could potentially be looking at the data being processed by everybody else on that same computer. So that's really going to be a, that's going to be where the, one of the biggest problems with this uh, is. And of course, those guys are scrambling right now to fix all that and mitigate this uh, so that doesn't happen. But in the meantime, that's going to be a big hit for their performance. Uh, on those computers and these guys live and breathe by performance. So if, you know, if they take a 20% hit of performance, that basically means that their 20% of their system is no longer available and they've got to either buy more 
uh, which costs money, um, or <laughs> explain to their customers why their performance has gone down 20%. All right, so let's back up a little bit. So we said this is basically a CPU bug. No, normally when we talk on this program about um, vulnerabilities, we're talking about software vulnerabilities, and those are easy to patch. So if I'm running a bad version of Microsoft Windows, or, if, or uh, not a bad version, but if, I got, if I'm running Microsoft Windows and they find a bug in Microsoft Windows, well, then Windows just puts out a software patch and we're all good. Everything's great. We're good to go. Fixing, <laughs> fixing a processor, which is hardware, is basically impossible without just getting a whole new machine. So what really what we're doing is these companies are trying to fix this. What they're trying to do is mitigate these vulnerabilities. They're trying to work around them so that they, uh, so they don't show up, so they don't, can't be exploited. Uh, they're basically trying really hard to change their software to not use, where possible, to not use these fancy features that are broken. Um, now, the problem is that these things do have a these things have made computers faster. Uh, so by not using these clever features, that means that we're going to see slowdowns of our software. Our computers are going to feel slower. Now, from everything I've read so far, uh, it seems like consumers are not likely to be affected. So on your home computer, you're probably not going to notice any kind of a slowdown. But like I said before, with Amazon and Google and some of these companies that have these massive, massive internet server farms where they're renting out processing space and whatever for... Uh, other people's applications, they're really going to feel a hit on this. And that's that that's going to be a tough one. All right. So let's get back to the average everyday person. That's you, <laughs> my audience. So, you know, how would you be hacked in this situation? Well, OK, so generally speaking, what this would be is this is some sort of malicious software. So we're already back to the point where somehow you got infected or somehow you're running malicious software on your on your computer. So if you're careful, that won't happen. Um, but if it does, uh, what this could mean is that uh, when this malicious software is running on your computer, uh, it may be able to peek around at other programs that are currently running and try to find sensitive data, uh, credit cards, passwords, um, private files, private info, uh, and try to get those off your computer. And of course, it's going to be kind of a grab bag. It, it, you know, they won't necessarily know what other applications are running uh, unless maybe they can surreptitiously start them. Um, and then, you know, so the, there's all sorts of possibilities. Hackers are very clever, but basically you need to have already, you've already had to have been compromised in some way for this to be a problem. You have to have some software on there that knows about these vulnerabilities is currently running. So you've somehow downloaded it and you've run it. Uh, and then it has to start go fishing around and seeing what it can find. And it has to run across something, you know, detrimental to you if, and getting it off that machine and storing it somewhere and getting it to a hacker or whatever. So there's a process here. It's, uh, it's not like all of a sudden everybody's uh, immediately going to be vulnerable and everything falls apart. Uh, you still do need to have some sort of initial way of getting compromised uh, with this malicious software. However, one of the ones that really could be a problem here uh, is JavaScript running in a web browser. So while it might be harder to trick you into accidentally downloading and installing some sort of malware, uh, we are on our web browsers all the time. And if we happen to be on a website and that website gets compromised and they are able to uh, slip in a little bit of JavaScript into your web browser, which it generally will run automatically when you go to that web page, the JavaScript program could be one of these malicious programs. And that, that's probably where the biggest, uh, biggest problem is going to be. So um, what do we do about it? Um, first of all, let me run through a, a list real quick. And this is the as of now, it's the updated list of who is affected, uh, what's already been patched, 
what patches are coming uh, and what what things are just what what things are affected. Um, and at the at the end of the show, I'll again I'll point you to this website you can go to that should have some more up up to date information because um, this will obviously change over time. But I wanted to just first of all you know go through the litany of these things because it'll, it'll give you an idea how many how many different things we have to patch and fix to try to work around this. Uh, and then help you at least understand whether or not you're still vulnerable and what you need to do. All right, let's start with uh, the the base of operations for just about every, everything, and that is the operating system. The operating system is the software that makes your computer run in the first place. Like you, It's the software that comes with every computer because it runs everything. Um, so let, let's start with Apple first. Uh, the Mac OS, which, or, or OS X, uh, which is their operating system. According to Apple, uh, the meltdown um, the meltdown problem has been mitigated as of uh, version 10.13.2, which 10.13 is the one they dubbed High Sierra. Um, so if you have the High Sierra installed and you've got the latest version of that, you're good. You're at least the meltdown uh, fix has been mitigated. Uh, they've also pushed security updates for uh, the previous two versions. Uh, that would be Sierra and El Capitan, which is, in other words, 10.13. Uh, 12 and 10.11. Now, iOS, which is Apple's mobile operating system, that would be on iPhones and iPads. Uh, it was also the meltdown fix was also mitigated in 11.2. So if you've got the if your iPhones and iPads are updated, you're good to go there as well. Um, TVOS, if you happen to have a, an Apple TV, uh, there are patches available for that, and they should be automatically installed. And if you have an Apple Watch, uh, according to Apple, that has not been affected. Now, you notice that I've only talked about Meltdown so far with Apple. So uh, Apple did say that there are fixes coming for the Spectre bug. Uh, those are coming in days, quote-unquote, from them. So um, by the time you even hear this, maybe they'll be out. Uh, so just pay attention to, to, to Apple on those. Um, let's now look at Windows. Uh, for Windows, Microsoft said that uh, Windows 10 has already been patched uh, and fixes are on the way for uh, ver Microsoft uh, Windows versions 7 and 8. Uh, they did say, however, that some of their updates are not playing nice with some antivirus software. Um, so if you if you see a blue screen of death, you know, in other words, uh, once you install the stuff, if your computer's not booting, that that may be why they're working hard with the antivirus software people to figure this out and uh, get uh, Windows update um, updated so that they know which antivirus programs um, will work with this and can do the updates and which ones don't. Uh, just beware that while you need to patch as soon as possible, so certain antivirus software apparently is having trouble with these updates. So uh, beware of that. As for Microsoft Surface products, uh, this is kind of like there some of their mobile devices and, and um, mobile-ish laptops. Um, Auto Update will will be providing fixes for that. I'm not clear yet from what I've read if they have already shipped or not. Just make sure you have your Auto Update set for those devices, uh, and those fixes will will install as soon as they are available. Now, as far as Android is concerned. Um, Android, as we've said multiple times on this program, is really tough um, because it's such a fractured market. Then uh, there's so many steps along the way from when Google can release a fix for Android and when that fix actually goes out to all the endpoint devices. Um, because there's the manufacturer involved, there's the usually the cellular provider involved. Each of them have to go through you know processes to get these things uh, vetted and released. Sometimes these things can take quite a long time to get out. So Android devices, unfortunately, may be vulnerable for some time. In fact, of course, you know, some of the older devices don't get updates at all. 
Uh, and if that's the case, they may be vulnerable forever. So, um, yeah, that's just the way it is with Android, unfortunately. So, uh, take the updates as soon as you get them for sure. And just be on the lookout for Chrome OS. That is for like Chromebooks uh, and other devices that run the Chrome operating system and not to be confused with the Chrome browser. Um, they said that there was a fix for that in December. That's uh, Chrome OS, Chrome OS version 63. So make sure you, uh, if you've got a Chromebook, you might check and see if you've been updated to that. I think auto updates are already set for that. So you probably should have that already. Um, let's talk about browsers now and let's go ahead and jump to the Chrome browser. So they said a fix is coming in uh, Chrome browser version 64, uh, which is supposed to come out on January 23rd until then they did say, uh, if you want, there's something you can enable called site isolation. Uh, and I'm not going to get into that here. If you just search on Google Chrome site isolation enable, uh, I'm sure you will find it because it's <laughs> particularly now, because I'm sure a lot of people are doing it based on these bugs. Um, uh, you can find the process for turning that on. It's just a, it's a mitigation factor. It would kind of helps to limit, you know, how much the the software running in your browser can look at other software running in your browser and, and uh, on your machine. So uh, it is a mitigation factor. I would honestly, I would recommend go ahead and doing that um, since the, the, the fix is not coming out till January 23rd. Uh, I would do that sooner rather than later. Uh, Firefox said that Firefox uh, version 57, which came out in, in November, has some mitigations already built in, uh, but they're still working on some other possible fixes. Uh, again, just turn on auto update auto update in Firefox and you'll get those as soon as they're, they're available. Uh, Safari, again, Safari fixes are coming for both iOS and macOS, quote unquote, within days from Apple. So be uh, looking for that. Microsoft Edge says that updates are available now already. So if you update your Microsoft Edge browser, you'll get those. Um, so you can see, you can see as you look back, this is a, this affects a lot of things. And, and I've even talked about things like game consoles and, uh, smart devices, uh, IOT devices, uh, more than likely, however, the IOT devices, because the way this kind of works is, um, there has to be, you know, valuable data there to steal. So, you know, if you've got a, a light bulb, it does have a little processor in it and there's, it's possible that little processor might have one of these bugs. Um, but there's really nothing on there to steal. Um, hopefully, except maybe your Wi-Fi password, depending on, you know, how the device stored that information. So, you know, for IoT devices, especially since there's not likely to be a lot of multiple processes running, um, I'm guessing right now that they're not the big worry. Um, we'll, we'll see. The The downside, of course, is the IoT devices are probably never going to be patched. Uh, many of those devices have either no way to be updated um, or it's so arcane that most people never even do it. Um, so, this is part of the problem when we find these when we find these bugs, uh, especially when these lower level cheap devices they may never get fixed, and that means they may all, if they're on the internet they could be vulnerable until somebody finally unplugs them and throws them away. Okay, so how do you? What can you do? What can you do to help uh, prevent or mitigate these attacks? Uh, we've talked a lot about what the companies are trying to do and the software updates are trying to rush out to mitigate these attacks. Uh, what can you do? And the answer, honestly, is not not a lot other than the standard security practices we've been talking about on this show forever. I will say, and I've mentioned this earlier, so let me bring it up now. Keep an eye on the website called MeltdownAttack.com. Uh, this is the website that these security groups have put together to organize a, the frequently asked questions and uh, the highly technical definitions of what these things are, which you can skip over uh, unless you <laughs> unless you really want to give it a shot. Um, I think uh, one of the more valuable things, however, is that uh, currently at the bottom of this website, at the meltdownattack.com website, 
uh, is a list, a long list of all the vendors that have come out with some sort of announcements or responses to these bugs. So from there, you can jump to these websites if you find that, you know, if you want to find out more about some product you have and see what, what's going on with those products, they at least have some links that, to get you started there to jump to those responses. Uh, there's another link I'll post in the notes. It's a little more user-friendly um, that I used actually as some of the information for, for this article that, that kind of walks through and appears to be getting updates um, a live update. So hopefully it'll be, it'll be always up to date. Um, and that is from, um, Gizmodo. Uh, they've got a nice list there to check to see what's still vulnerable and what's not. So, uh, check that website out and you can kind of, uh, again, it's in the show notes. You can find it there. Uh, otherwise you can search for Gizmodo and look for it's the article is check this list to see if you're still vulnerable. Uh, if you go to Gizmodo, Gizmodo's website, I'm sure you can find it there. And again, uh, I'll put that in the show notes. Now, uh, besides those websites, what else can you do? Um, so one small comfort is at least currently, uh, there's no known attacks that use this, these bugs. Now that's going to change rapidly. I guarantee it. But, uh, but for now there's no known attacks, uh, currently going on in the wild, uh, based on these vulnerabilities. Um, Antivirus software is going to be of limited use here. Uh, these are hardware bugs. They're not software bugs. It's These are not the kind of things that antivirus uh, programs can really find. Uh, the one place they might be useful is that once the bad guys do start exploiting this, they will be creating software that tries to exploit it. And as soon as the antivirus companies are aware of those software, um, the, those malware products, uh, they can be tuned to look for them. Um, but... You know, as I've said multiple times in this program, antivirus software is really not as good as it used to be, uh, and, and you can't really rely on it in cases like this to 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 solve these kind of problems. Uh, so then, what else can you do? Standard security and privacy procedures. Make sure that you're updating your operating system and your applications whenever updates are available. Uh, turn on auto update whenever you can. Uh, Obviously, don't download sketchy applications uh, for your phone or your computer. Um, don't jailbreak your phone, which is to say, you know, don't hack it so that you can install whatever you want and bypass the security measures that are built into the phone. Um, don't do that. You know, when you're surfing on sketchy websites, well, don't do it if at all possible. Um, but if you do, make sure you're using a really good secure browser and you've got it loaded up with uh, all sorts of privacy and security plugins. Um, uh, I talked about that recently when I talked about surfing safely, we had a whole episode on that. You can go back and listen to that episode. I've also got a blog entry on this, uh, that I will put a, a link to in the show notes for you to check out that, uh, details, uh, some of the plugins personally, uh, I, I recommend Firefox as your main, as your main browser. Chrome is also really good in terms of uh, security. Uh, the reason I like Firefox is it's also good in terms of privacy, um, some of the plugins I would recommend just off the top of my head, uh, uBlock Origin, not uBlock, but uBlock Origin. That's an ad blocker. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of ma uh, malware today is delivered through advertising. It's called malvertising. Uh, so uh, blocking ads really is your safest way to go there. Uh, HTTPS Everywhere and Privacy Badger. Those are two plugins from the Electronic Frontier Foundation. I recommend those as well. Uh, and one called Decentralize. Uh, instead of I-Z-E, it's E-Y-E-S uh, for the end of that word. Uh, anyway, this is all in that blog article. I'll refer you to that. But uh, just in case you wanted to know, there's a couple of them off the top of my head. 
and uninstall Flash. Uh, if you still have Flash on your machines, Adobe Flash, it was used a long time ago. It's really not needed anymore. Hopefully no websites still use it, but I'm sure some still do. Uh, so I would completely uninstall that plugin from any of my web browsers uh, anywhere. Uh, Chrome, however, has Flash built into it, uh, which they make sure is up to date all the time, which is good because... Flash has all sorts of bugs in it, and they're finding new ones all the time. So Chrome, Google, Google's browser Chrome, has Flash built into it. Um, you can't remove it. Uh, you could disable it, but you can't remove it. Um, and uh, certainly you can turn that setting on Chrome to ask you before it automatically does anything with Flash, which I think now is the default. So get rid of Flash. Uh, and if you have to go to some website that uses it, then use your Chrome, Chrome browser for that. All right, that's the tip of the week. That's about the best I can tell you. Stay tuned. I will definitely keep you updated on what happens with this as we go on. We're going to be having this is still developing and we're still getting fixes. Uh, the first malware for this, the first you know actual code that is trying to use these exploits is yet to be seen, but I'm sure it's coming. So I will keep you updated all on all of that stuff. If you want you know the latest and greatest, hottest off the newswire, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's at firewall dragons uh, is is my Twitter handle. You can check that out if you want to stay. You know, uh, I'll try to you know post the the stuff that's news, breaking news there. Uh, but then I'll always uh, come back and talk about the most important stuff here on the podcast as well. So tune in for that, and I will keep you up to date, and I will do my best to keep you safe and protected. It's rough out there. <laughs> it's rough out there, folks. I know it's. This seems really disheartening. This seems kind of scary. It's just going to get worse. And it, uh, I think someone was saying that this year is going to be the year of uh, processor bugs because the the bright lights are now focused on these things. It's something that has not really been looked at much before, except maybe by the NSA <laughs> and GCHQ. Uh, who knows what they already know? Um, but, you know, there's a bright light now focused on the processors themselves and the hardware bugs. And I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of this this year, unfortunately. So stay tuned here, and I will do my best to keep you safe. Now, I'd like to make one last appeal before we end the show. Um, this show shows just how important it is that we all keep up to date on these things. And again, it's it's like a, it's like inoculations. I hate to even say vac vaccinations because there's so much weird stuff around vaccinations. But the more we learn the stuff, the more we all protect ourselves, the more we we're, we have safe, you know, computer and web surfing habits, the better we all are. Uh, so it's really an information campaign. There's it, most of these things are very simple. Most of these things are free, but they're things that we all need to be doing that. We all need to get it into our collective consciousness that we need to do these things. And the more of us that do it, the better we'll all be. Even for those of us who don't do it, it's, it's a spreading thing. It's a, it's just like a virus. A computer viruses are called that for a reason. They spread and they spread to vulnerable people. So the fewer vulnerable people there are, the, the harder it is for these things to spread. So, you know, we need to get the word out. We need to get people educated. We need to keep people up to date. And that is what I'm trying to do. And uh, I would like your help to help me reach more people. So there's a lot of ways we can do this. Uh, the simplest, of course, is just to say, hey, have you heard this podcast? You might want to give it a shot. See if you can talk to some friends, uh, recommend the podcast. Uh, you can also have them, uh, my newsletter, if they prefer newsletters, it comes out every Sunday. You can sign up for that on my website, firewallsdon'tstopdragons.com. Uh, I, I end up repeating a lot of the same things there because some people get their information in different ways. So uh, that comes out every Sunday night. Um, so that's another way that people can do it. Uh, they could, I've also got a blog. I've got a Twitter feed. These are all different ways that I try to get this information out. Um, 
uh, all of these things I do uh, does cost time and money. Uh, so if you want to help support in that level, you can go to patreon.com and look for firewalls. Don't stop dragons there. Uh, and you can sign up there and you can help me out in that way as well. But the main thing I'm really asking is that we, is that we get the word out that we, you know, make sure we get people tuned in on a regular basis to, to hear this stuff, to, to know what they need to do, to understand it at a, at a, at a practical level. Um, and I will always try to explain these things in ways that make sense. And at the, at the bare minimum, tell you what you need to do, uh, to, to make yourself more safe. Uh, if nothing else, uh, now that you're armed with inf this information, uh, you can always go, go help your friends and family, uh, make sure that their computers are up to date, make sure that they're following these same procedures I'm talking about. You can, you can always do it that way too. <laughs> you can always go out there and, and be the one to actually do the work for those that either won't do it or feel that they can't do it. Okay. Off my soapbox. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I know it's been kind of a downer week. I know that was a lot to digest, but uh, thanks for listening. Again, I'll keep you updated. Tune in next week again. And until then, don't get caught with your drawbridge down. Take care.